Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Speak. Hope you're doing well. I'm Eddie Kalegi. Well, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to have two episodes pretty close to each other. Right now, I'm going to take a quick look back at some of my takeaways from the NFL wildcard round and preview the divisional playoff. It is 1230 on Saturday that I'm recording this, so it's going to line up perfectly uh, with the start of action. And then we'll be back. Tim and I will give a breakdown. And of course, we're going to have to break down the big matchup between the Giants and Eagles. Of course, we have had a debate all season long going between the Giants and the Eagles ever since Tim said that the Giants were even with the Eagles coming into the season. And now we'll really see who was right about that uh, as they face off in the postseason tonight. But we'll touch on that game in a bit. I wanted to start wild card round. Out of the results, I don't think there was anything that shocking that happened, at least with the teams who ended up winning. Uh, Tampa was a home team and lost, but, I mean, is that really a big surprise? The Buccaneers were not good this year at all. And in terms of Tom Brady, this is my first takeaway here. I don't think Brady is done. I think it's interesting that Byron Leftwich lost his job. I don't think that necessarily hopes uh, hurts his hopes of being coming a head coach. Remember how close he became to becoming the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars head coach after last season. I think there's a very strong possibility that Byron Leftwich could still get a job. There's not as many openings as there have been in past years, but I think he's still in the realm of possibility, even though he lost his OC job. I really think the Bucs did this in sort of a move to try to entice Tom Brady to come back, but I don't see that happening. Tom Brady is still going to play. I think it's very unlikely that he returns to Tampa. I don't think this mix, mix with Todd Bowles really works. I still don't understand exactly what happened with Bruce Arians. I don't really know if Tom wanted Bruce Arians out. To me, it doesn't really make sense. He won a Super Bowl with them. And in the end, to me, Bruce Arians is a very good coach. He's gone to three teams. He's been successful with all three. Won a Super Bowl with one. Been to the playoffs with all three. And won playoff games with all three. So I don't really understand that. That being said, best place for Tom Brady, I think, is Las Vegas. The Raiders, I think, would be a perfect fit for Brady. You already have Devontae Adams there, who would be a great weapon for him. Hunter Renfro, as a slick slot receiver, I think would really fit the mold of someone that Brady likes that he really didn't have in Tampa Bay. And you think about from Wes Welker to Julian Edelman to even Hogan back in the end of his era in New England, he always had that one slot receiver with a lot of speed. Tried to get that out of Scotty Miller. Miller didn't really provide it for him. Renfro, a much better option and more experienced, I think Brady would fit well there. He also has a much better running game than handing it off to Leonard Fournette. How about handing it off to Josh Jacobs, maybe the most underrated running back in the NFL right now? You have a decent defense, and Josh McDaniels, I know limited success as a head coach, had some bad losses this year. Lost to Jeff Saturday, lost to Baker Mayfield and the Rams, but he knows Tom Brady as well as any other coach in the NFL, his offensive coordinator for several Super Bowl wins in New England. So, I think that would be a place, not to mention Tom Brady, this stage of his life, this stage of his career. He wants to live somewhere fun. He's a single man now. What better place than living it up in Las Vegas? So that's where I think we're heading with Brady. But nine, number one takeaway from the wild card round, not a surprise whatsoever that the Bucs came up short. This team was very flawed, was very banged up. Tom Brady did not have a good offensive line this season. And Mike Evans had a bad year, all summed up. Cowboys with a good win, but we'll touch on Dallas in a couple of minutes. Item number two on the agenda, top teams in the AFC looked vulnerable. The Bills looked extremely vulnerable, which I was surprised by. I am personally shocked that against the Dolphins, they let Skylar Thompson be that close in that game. 
the Bills defense has some problems. And the thing is, it's not necessarily the D line where you would think the quarterback pressures would be the issue because you don't have Von Miller anymore. They pressured Skylar Thompson pretty well. It was the secondary, specifically the corners. Coming into the year, they said the Bills had maybe some of the best corners in the NFL. And that really hasn't happened this season. I know they've had injuries. The secondary has been banged up. Of course, everything happened with DeMar Hamlin. Thank goodness he's okay. But, like, I, I think the Bills kind of overestimated the talent that their defense had. And Sean McDermott is the only coach that comes from a defensive background that's still alive in the divisional round. And when you have a path that probably involves having to play now Cincinnati and then Kansas City and then maybe either Philly or San Francisco, you got dynamic offenses that can pass the ball really well, that can run the ball well. And that might not work out for Buffalo's defense. The Bengals, they have the same issue, it feels like, as last year. The offensive line cannot protect Joe Burrow. They have more talent, but all that talent's hurt. So they're back at square one where they were last season. Obviously, that still resulted in them advancing to the Super Bowl. But they don't have that same protection for Burrow that they had earlier in the season. Uh, Jamar Chase has not been as solid as he was in his rookie year. Of course, he missed some time in the middle of the season. I wouldn't be too concerned about that. And then the secondary, like the Bills, continue to get burned. I mean, this was a Ravens team that didn't went two months without having a passing touchdown to a receiver, and Tyler Huntley was able to throw the ball around pretty well. A backup quarterback with a Ravens team that had one of the worst offenses in the NFL this season. So I think there should be concerns for both the Bengals and the Bills. So my second takeaway from Wild Card Weekend is simply that these top teams in the AFC, as much as we think of them as juggernauts, They do have some severe flaws. And then number three, how does Brandon Staley still have a head coaching job right now? He does not seem like he's in tune with his players at all. Just look at the clip when Bosa slammed his helmet in frustration. And then for some reason, Brandon Staley has to go and pick it up for him. That's just for Bosa to throw it on the ground again. I mean, that just shows he really doesn't have that connection with his players. And He escaped and the Chargers escaped so many times this season with bad decisions still getting wins because there were some really bad teams in the NFL this year. They shouldn't have beaten the Falcons. They got very lucky that they did. And then they somehow thought they'd get away with what happened against the Broncos. But again, bad decision by Brandon Staley. Why are you playing your guys, when you've already clinched not only a playoff spot, you know what seed you're going to be. You're going to be the five seed no matter what. What point were you trying to prove by playing your starters against Denver? A Broncos team that was already a mess, already has had so much go on this year, already fired their coach in the middle of the season, not even through his first year. Like, what what are you proving by playing your stars at that point, in that phase? And what happens? Mike Williams gets hurt. You lose your number two receiver. And that's part of the reason the Chargers offense just wasn't dynamic in the second half because the Jaguars figured out how to stop the run. So you think, oh, with Justin Herbert, he could throw to his weapons. But if you drape over Keenan Allen, there's nobody else there. Joshua Palmer, Gerald Everett, that's about it. Without Mike Williams, who is a very underrated receiver and very talented, speedy, can go in motion, can play in the slot, can also go out wide. Not having him, big problem. And again, who's to blame for that? Brandon Staley. 
Brandon Staley is the same coach that could have played for the tie against the Raiders in week 18 last year, gotten them both in the playoffs, and then he botched that in overtime, and then you end up seeing Pittsburgh in the playoffs with the Raiders. So I know something that a strategy that is employed by teams often that like to give a head coach one more chance that they'll call them into the office after a loss like that and say, Hey, either you got to go or we got to fire everything around you and let you try to build something up again. And he took the ladder. So OC has gone. Quarterback coach is gone. Receivers coach is gone. O-line coach is gone. They're all out. He's going to bring in new guys and try to run this back. But chargers, Wasting Justin Herbert at this point, really starting to look like Philip Rivers 2.0. And as hilarious as 28 to 3 was for the Falcons, especially since it was on a national stage with 90 million people watching the Super Bowl, this loss to the Jaguars when you were up 27 had deflated the Jacksonville fans in Duval County, had forced Trevor Lawrence to throw four interceptions in the first quarter. The fact that you managed to lose that game. That might be the biggest choke job in NFL history. And we just witnessed the Colts give up a 33-point lead in the third quarter less than a month ago in Minnesota. So those are my three big takeaways from Wild Card Weekend. A couple of side notes. Vikings, I think we all knew they were fraudulent. You go into the playoffs with a negative point differential. I don't care how many one-score games you've won. When you've played real competition multiple times, you've gotten decimated and also not forget with the exception of the victory over the giants on christmas eve which by the way took a 61 yard field goal from greg joseph to get the vikings had played horribly against the nfc east this year they got destroyed by the eagles on monday night football in week two they lost by 40 at home to dallas and they Barely snuck out against the Commanders, a Washington team that was really banged up for that game. And the Vikings offense couldn't get anything going. So they had had history of playing very poorly against the NFC East this year. The Vikings have some real talent. I think Kirk Cousins at times is underappreciated. Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the NFL right now. And Dalvin Cook is a top five running back. But this defense, of course, they fired their defensive coordinator was Swiss cheese against good teams that could throw the ball around. And to allow the Giants with Daniel Jones to just destroy you like that at home, that's horrible. And I know the Vikings will be back. I know this year is still a major step up from what we'd seen from Minnesota over the last two seasons, because at least now they were winning most of the close games. Last year, they looked like a playoff caliber team, but they just couldn't close out games at the end. They were missing field goals and just the last few minutes would always go horribly wrong, but Minnesota definitely has some problems and I don't understand why on fourth down and eight Kirk Cousins is only throwing the ball three yards. I mean, what is that? What was that play design? Throw it up for Justin Jefferson. We've seen Jefferson make some insane catches this year. Try and get it over to him. But the Giants played great defense in that game and were really able to kind of shut down the Vikings passing lane. So Kudos to the Giants. Tim is not here for this episode. We'll have him on after the Giants-Eagles game for a rehash. But once again, we'll get to the Giants in a minute. So that's my main looks from uh, Wild Card Weekend. Only other game I didn't touch on was the 49ers beating the Seahawks. I don't think there's much to digest there. Seattle was kind of on the back burner second half of the season. Didn't play all that well, but 
had a good year overall given the circumstances. Now they have a top five pick too. Essentially, we're playing with house money. Geno Smith now is going to be trying to get a contract, uh, but they were very overmatched. And San Francisco is elite, even if Brock Purdy didn't necessarily play elite in that game. So divisional playoff. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at Sportspeak Live. That's where we'll have our pick 'em. By the way, the way it worked out, me and Tim are now tied. We're picking every game the rest of the way. So we are tied with seven games left in the NFL season with our records. Now, first game that will happen is the Jaguars against the Chiefs. Tim is going with the Chiefs 27-24. I think that's very realistic. I'm going to side with him and go with Kansas City. Jacksonville is going to play well. Jacksonville is going to keep it close. Let's also not forget, in very recent history, the Chiefs have had a tendency to struggle against AFC South teams in the playoffs at Arrowhead Stadium. Remember, they had to come back from double-digit deficits two years ago against both the Titans and the Texans at home in the postseason. I think this is going to be very similar. The Jags suddenly have some rekindled energy, and their coach of course, as an Eagle fan, I'm going to hype him up, but Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl before. He knows what it takes, and the Jags are a year ahead of schedule. They have the least pressure along with the Giants going into this weekend. The Chiefs, I'd argue, have the second or third most pressure. I'm going to go through that ranking in just a minute as well before we get to the other three games about how I rank the pressure of the eight playoff teams that are still alive. But the Jaguars, in my opinion, have the second least pressure of the eight with the fact that they were able to come back against the chargers in the way that they were there's a little up added pressure because now people see that they're for real and the chiefs are also vulnerable too. harrison butker can't make kicks consistently anymore and of course you do not have tyreek hill anymore to worry about so the chiefs have still found a way to be dynamic shout out rutgers isaiah pacheco jerk mckinnon uh valdez scantling juju Travis Kelsey, there's certainly weapons there for uh, Patrick Mahomes, but not having Tyreek Hill is going to have an impact, especially as you get later into the postseason. That being said, Kansas City's going to win this one. Going to be close, though. Jags might lead this game at some point. Chiefs are going to take over in the second half. Jacksonville's going to be back consistently over the next few years. Trevor Lawrence has established himself as a good NFL quarterback now, but Mahomes, it's going to be too much. And the Chiefs, the number one seed, will take care of business. So I agree with Tim there. Now, before I get to the other three games, as I said, the pressure on some of these teams varies. Let me rank them with the eight, with the eight games. Number eight, least pressure by far is the New York Giants. This is a team that last year went four and 13 and were running quarterback sneaks on third and nine at their own four yard line and getting booed by their fans. Brian Dable is definitely the coach of the year. All of their questions that they had going into the season have already been answered. Brian Dable is going to be a great coach going forwards. And now we're realizing what a role Brian Dable played with Josh Allen, in my opinion, to make him the quarterback that he was. And we're starting to see some of that rub off on Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is still not good in my opinion. Daniel Jones does not deserve a four-year deal like some of these Giants fans think, but Daniel Jones has saved himself. He's going to get himself probably a two-year contract with the Giants for sure. He's going to stay. He has saved his job, and the Giants have realized that with the Dable system, they can win games with that, and if Saquon Barkley stays healthy, and even though they have no receiving core, the offensive line has not been nearly as solid and consistent as it was hyped up to be, 
If you have a defense, if you have a team that plays hard, and you've got an aggressive coach that can strategize the game well, you can win games in a year where the NFC was kind of weak. So Giants didn't win 11 like Tim thought, but they had a good year. So I'll give them all the credit in the world, but they have the least pressure going into this weekend. Second least is Jacksonville. I already discussed that. They now have a bit more pressure because people saw what they were able to do in the second half against the Chargers. But again, young team going into Arrowhead, you can't expect that much. In terms of pressure at number six, I'd put San Francisco. Despite the fact that the 49ers, many would argue, have the most complete team going into these playoffs, I don't think the pressure is nearly as high just because the fact that they're playing a third-string quarterback in Brock Purdy right now. If Jimmy Garoppolo was there, I'd argue they'd have the most pressure. But right now for San Francisco, they have already exceeded expectations multiple times in the playoffs when they almost won the Super Bowl a few years ago, just last season, where they barely fell into a playoff spot and then were five minutes from making it to the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan has proved himself on many occasions, and I don't think there is that much pressure really at all on San Francisco heading into these playoffs. Number five, I'd go with Kansas City. I don't think there's an immense amount of pressure on the Chiefs because Mahomes has lost Tyreek Hill. I think there's pressure on Mahomes to prove that he can do it without Tyreek. But the Chiefs as a team, they've won their Super Bowl. They're becoming a sub-dynasty, not as not as the, di- the dominance that New England had in the 2000s. But the Chiefs every single year are a one or two seed, and they're in the mix. And they come close each and every season. Made it to the AFC Championship last year. We're in the Super Bowl the previous two years before that, in the AFC Championship the year before that. They've gone that far the last four seasons, and if they slip up, not the end of the world, and Mahomes has already established quite the legacy. So I'll put them sort of in the middle, teetering at number five with the most pressure. Now, number four, I was flipping back and forth in my head between who I'd really slide in at four pressure-wise. I'm going to go with the Eagles at four, though I think the top four are separate from the bottom four. The top four definitely have more pressure than the bottom four. The Eagles, it's not because necessarily of the team itself, because the team has proven they can win. They just won a Super Bowl a few years ago. It's the circumstances of where they're at in the playoffs and the way the season has gone. They shouldn't have all this pressure. But two specific events have them here. Number one is Jalen Hurts' injury. Because Hurts was injured, now he's coming back. And you have to remember last year how horrible he looked in the playoff game against Tampa Bay. So people are going to have sky-high expectations for Hurts to bounce back. And it could really hurt his legacy early in his career if he somehow loses to the Giants. Not to mention the NFC East is suddenly the NFC beast. And you have the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Eagles all still alive. And Philly doesn't want to be the team that slips up. And number two, speaking of slipping up, Eagles don't want to follow the path of the 2020 Steelers. Eagles were undefeated first half of the season, but have slowly cracked and they've had some injuries. They were the healthiest team the first half of the year. And now things aren't really going the way they would have hoped. Lane Johnson going to try to tough it out. You lose Avante Maddox. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson misses time. Of course, Jalen Hurts. Dallas Goddard, Eagles have been a little banged up. So that's why I can't move them up to one or two because they have the excuse. Also with Sirianni, they've never won a playoff game before. But with Jalen Hurts at this point, 
And the fact that the NFC East has gone this deep, it's sort of like the Mets, which is ironic because I'm a Met and an Eagle fan. The Mets not going that far this year was not that upsetting because it was the first time they'd been in the playoffs with this group. The first time they made the postseason in the six years and that in itself was an accomplishment. However, when your division is succeeding, when the Braves win a World Series, when the Phillies go to a World Series, makes the Mets look worse. Similar spot now in the NFC with the Eagles because the Giants and the Cowboys are both still alive and the Giants or the Cowboys making the Super Bowl makes the Eagles look worse and makes them look more fraudulent and their start to the season more irrelevant and Jalen Hurts play during the regular season more irrelevant. So that's why there's added pressure in the Eagles. I put them in at four. Number three, I go with the Bengals. People are saying, well, Cincinnati doesn't have any pressure because they made it all the way to the Super Bowl last year. They did not win it. They still are trying to win a Super Bowl. They do not want to come up short again. And like I mentioned, they're having the same problems that hurt them last season, not having an O-line, not having a good secondary, and limited directions that their offense can go because Joe Burrow is handicapped by the fact that his offensive line can't protect him and give him time in the pocket. So I think there is pressure on Cincinnati because they want to prove that they are a top team in the AFC. And, you know, everybody's about the Chiefs versus Bills debate ever since the playoff game last year, how great both those teams are. But if the Bengals can somehow win two weeks in a row, make the Super Bowl two seasons in a row, you have to insert them into that debate. Bills can't go that far. And the Bengals might be right on par with the Chiefs if they can make the Super Bowl back-to-back years. Kansas City did it in 2019 and 2020. So why not put... Cincinnati in that caliber. So there's not pressure on Joe Burrow. He's proved himself enough, but I think there's pressure on Zach Taylor and the surrounding pieces. So I put the Bengals at three. Number two is the Cowboys because Dallas had a great year. They had a few bad losses, but this Cowboys team looks more complete, far more than the teams we've seen in recent years. They play San Francisco. History says the Cowboys and the Packers are two teams that can't play well against the Niners in the postseason. Now, Dallas is going to look to turn things around. We all know what happened when they played San Francisco at Jerry World at the end of the game last year in the playoffs. So there is pressure on the Cowboys because Mike McCarthy, in my opinion, is still trying to save his job. I think it's much more secure after he beat the Bucs. But again, what were you expecting? Them to choke? The Bucs were 8-9 and nine this year. The Bucs were terrible. The Bucs were only in the playoffs because they were in the worst division in football. So there is still tons of pressure That is the only team left in the playoffs where the coach is actively fighting to keep his job. So that's why you have to put them this high. Cowboys are at number two. And again, they haven't made the NFC Championship game since the 1990s. So they are in desperate need to turn things around in a big way this season. And then number one to me is the Buffalo Bills because the Bills have won 12 plus games the last three years. They've come up short every time so far. They couldn't beat Patrick Mahomes in that game last season. And now you've got the momentum on your side. You've got the story on your side after what happens to Mar Hamlin. You have to use that energy, use that Bills Mafia to carry you over the top this season. Because I wouldn't say that there was, there was a window necessarily with the Bills, but this team has had history of having good rosters and a Hall of Fame level quarterback and not having anything to show for it, a.k.a. Jim Kelly when they lost the Super Bowl four times. So you don't want Josh Allen, just like you don't want Herbert to become Philip Rivers 2.0, you don't want Josh Allen to become Jim Kelly 2.0. So to me, the Bills, despite the injuries, 
Given the circumstances, most pressure. But the Cowboys are very close on their heels. Bengals and Eagles not too far behind. Other four teams, not as much pressure. So let's get back to the picks. I already told you, I agree with Tim. Chiefs are going to beat Jacksonville. Let's also not forget how great the divisional round was last season. Don't think it's necessarily going to live up to last year. There were four game-winning field goals in four games, but we're going to get close games. I don't think we're going to see a single blowout of more than two scores this week. I think they're all going to be close, and they're all going to be close games into the second half. Game two, one we're all excited about. Giants and Eagles. Now, personally, I feel bad because, of course, you may have seen it. I hit the gritty in the end zone at U.S. Bank Stadium, and maybe that's what cursed the Vikings and got the Giants into the next round. So now the Giants are still here, and I have to deal with Tim Moore for three hours tonight being all hyped up, but I'm not really too concerned. Of course, he picked the Giants to win. Of course, I am picking the Eagles to win. The Philadelphia Eagles are the number one seed. They have beaten the Giants twice this year. Will it be closer than the first time they played when Jalen Hurts was healthy? Absolutely, because the Giants are playing well, and Brian Dable is going to lock down and make adjustments, and he clearly made adjustments the second time they played Jalen Hurts. And oh, by the way, they're going to target Jalen Hurts' injured shoulder. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's what a defense should do. They need to try to make it difficult on Jalen Hurts because they know he is still hurting. And Week 18, when they played... The Eagles were afraid to have Jalen Hurts run. Jalen Hurts was not a mobile quarterback in that game. And not having that mobility is why the Eagles only won that game by six points. Because Hurts being able to get out wide with his legs, get some yards, cut up field, that's what makes him so scary. That's what made him an MVP candidate this season. If he can't do that and he's just a pocket passer, he is not nearly as lethal. And the Eagles offense loses an entire element. Now. Boston Scott will probably score a touchdown in this game, as he typically does against the Giants. But I think it's going to be close. I think the Eagles are going to win by about 10 and stretch it out at the end of the game. But it's going to be close. And I think there's a chance even the Giants lead this game at halftime. Just because New York is feeling good right now. They are very well coached. And they're getting those kind of surprise heroes. Isaiah Hodgins had the big game against Minnesota. It's going to be interesting I have to credit Tim. The Giants have done much better than I suspected and most people suspected. He was right on that, but they're still not on par with the Eagles. Philly rolling, fly Eagles fly, Eagles to the NFC Championship. Game three on the docket, we're going to shift back to the AFC for the Bills and Bengals. Now, there is limited sample size here. They played each other in the DeMar Hamlin game. They played the first 10 minutes. The Bengals led that game 7-3 to three when it was suspended. Joe Burrow was able to pass the ball well, though, against the Bills' secondary. And the Bill and the Bengals and the Bengals offensive line was still torn up in that game. Not as bad as it is now, but they were missing a starter. Now they're missing multiple starters. Some people are saying that the Bills are going to roll because A, they have the storyline, B, they have the momentum, and C, the last time a star quarterback was missing both tackles in a postseason game was. Patrick Mahomes against the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. And we all know how that ended. But to me, this is different. The Bills pass rush isn't nearly as capable as the Bucks pass rush on that Super Bowl team two seasons ago. And I think Joe Burrow is going to be able to escape and make throws. And Burrow has looked fantastic in every playoff game we've seen for him. So 
I've got the upset. Tim's going with the Bills. I'm going to go the opposite direction here. He's got the Bills 24-20. I've got the Bengals 24-21. It may come down to a game-winning field goal from Evan McPherson, but I like Cincinnati to pull off the upset. I think Jamar Chase is going to find form. I think the Bills secondary is going to get exposed as it has these last few games. And Cincinnati is going to have a rematch with Kansas City in the AFC Championship. Last game I'm going to look at, Cowboys and Niners. Niners with Brock Purdy, got past the Seahawks. Purdy's performance against Seattle is getting way overhyped. He was very inaccurate. He was below 50% in the first half, turned it around in the second half. But again, a lot of those were checkdowns, jet passes, screens. He didn't have the best game passing the football. Dallas is going to make it difficult. Micah Parsons is going to be in there. you got Trayvon Diggs and the Cowboys secondary that is going to make things difficult. But the fact that the 49ers have the number of weapons that they do is why I have to give them the edge. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Jerron Jennings, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell. There are so many different ways that San Francisco can beat you. That you can throw so many different quarterbacks into that system and they thrive. The fact that Brock Purdy has just slid in as the last draft pick this past April. And looks like they did not even skip a beat with Jimmy Garoppolo's injury. Just shows what a system San Francisco has. Not to mention they have a top defense. Dak Prescott had a huge legacy game against Tampa Bay with the five total touchdowns. But he is going to face immensely more pressure from the San Francisco defense than from Tampa Bay, than he did from Tampa Bay. Dak Prescott is not going to have nearly the same success. It's going to be close. The Cowboys are not going to get embarrassed. I think this game is going to come down to the final possession or so. But the 49ers, again, the difference is going to be that trade for Christian McCaffrey. What a move that was. What a great timing move that was to get him at the deadline when the Panthers were willing to sell and didn't really want all that much because McCaffrey has had a history of injury. Guess what? He stayed completely healthy since he went to San Francisco. And he's been dynamic as a pass catcher and a runner. And I think he's going to have a touchdown of each in this game. And San Francisco is going to beat Dallas. Tim's going with Dallas. So the only game that me and him have consensus on is Kansas City beating Jacksonville. Other three, we're div- divided upon. And we are tied right now in the pick standings. So this could get interesting. But I have Chiefs-Bengals in the AFC title game. Niners-Eagles. Out of the NFC, Tim's got Giants, Cowboys, and Chiefs, Bills. So we'll see how it all shakes out. That's it for this episode. A reminder, we will have another one very, very soon with our reaction to Giants, Eagles, and we'll talk some more postseason. It's been a fun time. We'll get to some other topics. NASCAR just a couple weeks away. Baseball, some crazy things been happening. I don't know why the Marlins traded for Luis Arias and gave up Pablo Lopez when they were so stringent and hell-bent on hanging on to... Pablo Lopez at the deadline when the Yankees wanted him and were offering them a lot. And they trade away two prospects as well, but I'll digress for now. That'll be it for this episode. Reminder, follow us on Twitter at Sportspeak Live. Also, shout out Andrew Bellows for winning our inaugural Sportspeak Fantasy Football League Championship. Joshua Franks finished 10th. We're still trying to figure out what the punishment will be for him. We will have an update on that on a future episode. But I'm Eddie Kalegi signing off. Hope you enjoyed Sportspeak. Enjoy the games this weekend, NFL Divisional Playoff Round.